We're going to start out tonight in Leviticus. Who's never read the book of Leviticus? Don't be brave. Everyone's read the book of Leviticus. Are you sure? <laughs> and it's a it's a hard read, but there's some treasures in there. And one of them is this Leviticus chapter six. I was quite encouraged about the the spontaneous song we were singing tonight. So Leviticus chapter six, verse twelve to thirteen says this. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. I read again. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Again, verse 13, fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. And the reason I believe the Lord is raising this this evening is as we come into this December period, there's a tendency to take our foot off the pedal. And so what happens is, like this week coming now, it's the last week of young adults, it's the last week of in community, um, I think prayer's closing next week. Uh, when is it claim? Pre- 21st, okay, prayer's closing on the 21st, we've got a bit more time. And so what can happen, and it's a, it's a dangerous place to be in, is like, for lack of a better word, these activities, we depend on them for our relationship with God. Basically, I use coming to young adults or coming to church as my quiet time with Him. And so what happens now is when these activities are taken away um, for a period, like they only open, like in community, young adults only starts like the second week of January. So it's almost like a whole month. There's a danger, and I've actually seen it. I've actually spoken to people in this very own church. Every December, they fall by the wayside strong throughout the year, pressing in, loving God. December comes, you know, and what happens is they need to come back to January and it's like this whole restart again. It's like, let me, Lord, like we come crawling back into January in our condemnation and our unworthiness and in our repentance. We're like, okay, let's pick this thing up again. But what we see in Leviticus chapter six is like the responsibility to keep the fire burning is on you. The responsibility to keep the fire burning is on me. We cannot be dependent on this church. If this is the only meal you eat during the week, you are malnourished. You cannot rely on a Sunday service, a Friday night or a Wednesday night or a prayer meeting to be your substance with the Father. Because otherwise, like I said, when those things are removed, when they're taken away, you will begin to slide away. You'll begin to, I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, you're not going to backslide, but the, the affections of your heart will begin to shift toward other things because they were never focused on the Father in the first place. 
And so, like I said, Leviticus said, the, the responsibility, you are the priest in Leviticus chapter six. You put the wood on the altar. You light the fire. You keep the fire burning inside of your heart, the fire for God to fall upon and for Him to consume. And so there are several ways in which we can keep the fire burning, um, but we're going to focus on one of them, and that's maintaining a pure heart. When we talk about purity, that definition of purity, it means it's free from the contaminating influence of sin. That's the biblical definition of purity. I'll read again. Purity means to be free from the contaminating influence of sin. And so there's an influence, and in what, what the definition here is taught is it's a contaminating influence that sin has over our lives. That when we're not maintaining a heart of purity, like right now we all just had the most amazing worship session. Our hearts are just like all for Jesus, all for God. But if I start to, if I don't maintain that fire, what happens is the influences of sin begin to beckon me, they begin to call me, they begin to woo me. You know? And so the enemy's waiting at the door with temptation. He's waiting to, to woo us. And when we give over, when we, when we give our ear to what he's saying, when we give our attention to what he's putting before us, there's an influence that can come upon my heart if I'm not guarding my heart, if I'm not keeping my heart in check, I'm not keeping my heart in the ways of God and in the purity of God. And so some of those contaminating influences are condemnation. We know that one very well. I'm sure we can all put up our hand for condemnation where we've made a mistake, we've messed up and it's just like, ah, we just feel guilty. We feel what the Word says, we feel condemned before the Father. We, we don't have the courage, we don't have the boldness to, to look Him in the eye, to speak to Him, to even open our Bible or even to come to a premier. That's an influence of sin over our hearts. The next one is unworthiness. We know that one very well as well, where we just think, okay, God, that's it for me, you know, this is the seventh time, this is the 20th time that I've messed up and I'm just not worthy enough to be called your son. I'm not worthy enough to be called your daughter. I'm not worthy enough to be a Christian. And it's all lies, it's all facade, it's not real, but it's an influence that has come upon our heart. Why? Because we haven't, guard, if you think about guarding your heart, the Bible says guard your heart above all else, right? And so when you think about guarding something, if you can just imagine there's like this, I'm, that's just what I'm seeing in my imagination, is like this bolt, this bolted door that I put over my heart. I'm guarding my heart. I'm guarding the purity. I'm guarding the innocence of my heart with this, I, I lock it up, you know, and, 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 I, and I make it secure and I, and I put a bolt and I put a chain and I put a lock on so that when these outside influences come, and they, 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 they come against me, they can't get inside. Why? Because I've guarded up my heart through purity. I've maintaining, you can rather say that instead of maintaining, you say I'm guarding a heart of purity. I'm guarding a pure heart. And so the contaminating influences of sin can't come against me. Some other contaminating influences, this is sin stirs up the appetites of the flesh. And so it's like, 
something you've been struggling with and you've been free the whole year, right? You've like, you overcome. It's like, finally, Lord, I did it. We did it. We overcame this issue that was tripping me up. And now we come December time and now I'm not receiving, I'm not being spoon-fed as much as I'm supposed to be or what I was. And now I just begin to, let me just taste that thing again, you know? And so I have a small taste and next week, you know, you're back in it fully. So it stirs up those old appetites. It stirs up the appetites of the flesh. The other thing does is it breaks down our relationship with other believers. And then obviously it breaks down our relationship with God. And so I want us to see the importance of a pure heart. So we're going to go to two scriptures. The first one is in Psalm 24. And it says in Psalm 24, we all know this word, verse 3 to 4. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So Psalm 24, verse three to four, and this is talking about just like, you know, why it's so important to guard a pure heart or to maintain a pure heart. And it says this in Psalm 24, it says, and who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? And then he, so he gives us these questions. He says, who can do this? Who can stand? In other words, like ascend the hill of the Lord. If you look at the Old Covenants or the Old Testament context is, think about Moses, right? Going up the hill of the Lord, going up the mountain to encounter His glory, to, to see Him face to face. Abraham, going up the mountain, all these places, it's, it's, a, it's a holy place. It's a place of, 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 of dramatic encounter with God. And so he asks this question as David writes, he says, who can do this? Who can ascend this hill? Who can stand in His holy place? Who can stand before the Lord Almighty and see Him face to face and see and, and behold His glory and be transformed by Him? Then He answers the question for us and He says this, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And so if your desire, and, and I believe it is, otherwise you wouldn't be here tonight because you could have just come to one service this morning. Your desire is for the Lord. Your desire is for more of Him. Your desire is to encounter Him, to, to pursue Him. And the key of that, David, David makes it very clear, the key of the pursuit of God is a pure heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 Listen to this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And again, we see the, 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 the importance of a pure heart, the importance of maintaining a heart of purity, to see God in His fullness. In other words, to, to, to seek Him, to pursue Him. It's, it's just, it's the ways of the kingdom. God is, is love, God is mercy, but He is also holy. And I guarantee you that if you pursue Him, He will address the influences in your life first. There's, if you can imagine this, God is over there, I'm over here, and He has the threshold. And so I'm just living my life, and as I step over this threshold to pursue Him, to, to see Him, to ascend the hill of the Lord, if I want to stand in His holy place, and this has happened to me so many times, like coming into my prayer time with the Lord, coming into my quiet time with the Lord, immediately, the very first thing is like He points things out. 
He says, Lord, you've got offense there. Lord, you've got bitterness there. You, you need to deal with this there. I'm like, oh, shucks, I didn't even know that. Lord, I repent of that. And as I do that, it's kind of like he opens up the door for me and he says, okay, now come. And so a pure heart is vital to step into this holy place. If, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm harboring and rather treasuring sin in my life, I can try and step over this threshold. I can try and knock on the door, Lord, let me in, Lord, let me in, Lord, let me in. He'll say, just deal with that thing first and then you can come inside. But if I choose not to deal with that thing, it's like Psalm 84. I'm literally, I'm just the guy that sits outside. Now I'm just the doorkeeper. But that's not God's best for us. God's best is come inside the Holy of Holies. He doesn't call us to be doorkeepers. He calls us to be priests, ministers of God in the most holy place. But it takes, and, and that's why, like if you look at Leviticus and you look at the, the requirements of the priests, to stand before God, to stand in His holy place. It was like, yo, it was hectic from their clothing to like, you had to shave in a certain way. You had to do all these things. Everything had to be pure. Everything had to be correct. Everything had to be precise to stand in the most holy place. Fortunately for us today, we can come as we are. All He requires is a pure heart. That's what he's looking for. That's what qualifies us to come into the most holy place. And so when we, when we talk about purity, and we will probably, in our minds, we will reference the old covenant, like, we, like I just did myself. And we say, okay, if I want to be pure, I must don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And we put a, a list of external demands on ourselves that we aren't able to do, that we aren't able to carry now, you might call them New Year's resolutions, right? So, Lord, 2024, no more pornography, um, no more swearing, no more this, no more this, all these things that I'm not going to do anymore. And I've got this list of do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. And I try to work these things out in my own flesh. By the time February comes, I've failed in all of them. Because it's, that's not the way of the kingdom. See, that, that's the way of the world. Ten steps to stop smoking, right? 10 steps to stop drinking. You can find a book on anywhere. What, the Dummy's Guide, you know those books? <laughs> the Dummy's Guide to Overcoming Pornography, whatever. You know, and so we take these things and it's, 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 a, it's this list of external things that we try and force upon ourselves, but it doesn't work. Why? Because that's not the way the kingdom works. That's the way of the world. The way the kingdom work, works is from the internal out. It's not from the external in. He doesn't change you from the outside in. He changes you from the inside out. And so we see this, if you go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus highlights this. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, he says this, For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, so you get evil thoughts coming out of your heart. Where does murder come from? Your heart. Where does adultery come from? Your heart. Where does sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, all these things come out of the heart. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus says this, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so, 
to maintain a lifestyle of purity, to maintain a pure heart, to guard a pure heart, we have to deal with the internal rather than the external. That's the key. And so, and if you've ever been to the back of the church, maybe you did when you saw the baptisms, you would have seen two big stumps like there. Those big stumps used to be these massive fig trees. And every fig season, yo, it was hectic. They would just like mess up the driveway, mess up the snicket. And then Otis says, yeah, there's Otis. There he's over there. Remember this, Otis? Otis with his broom every morning, got to sweep up these figs. You're going to you know, you're going to sweep up the driveway, clean the driveway every single day for like an hour just doing this thing. And so we'd get the tree fellas in and we'd say, okay, please cut this branch and cut this branch so the figs don't fall over here. But guaranteed, the branches grew back and the figs kept on falling. And so eventually, and it wasn't just because of figs falling, the branches were actually falling like on the roof and stuff like that. So we decided to cut these things down. So we cut these two big fig trees down and guess what? The problem doesn't exist anymore. And so we, we tend to do that when we approach purity as we, we, we approach it from an external thing and what we do, we just cut off branches. So like, okay, I've got to stop doing this and I cut that off, but the branch grows back because I'm not dealing with the tree. I'm not dealing with the root. And so what Jesus is saying is like, you guys are cutting off branches, but if you want purity, if you want to be free, Address the issue. Address the heart. Because that's where the thing is. That's where the issue is. And so here's the thing, is that we can't do that. A self-help book can't get here. 10 steps to whatever can't get here. Dummy's guide to whatever can't get here. Only he can change the heart of man. And this is, this is where it comes, it, it, it's, that, it's that yielding to Jesus, saying, come and change me here. And it, you've got to be honest with the Lord and say, Father, in my heart, there's adultery. In my heart, there is lust. In my heart, there is anger. In my heart, there is malice. In my heart, there is bitterness. Only He can change the heart of man. Only He can do it. And, and, and there's a work that He does. And that work is called sanctification. That's what I want us to focus on. Have you guys heard that word, sanctification? So there's two very important words that we have to remember in, in our walk with the Lord. The first one is justification. And the second one is sanctification. So justification means this is just as if I never sinned. And so when I am born again, I am made righteous. In other words, I am in right standing with God. He looks at me, that word, that word means to be examined by God and to be found without fault. And so I, I'm born again and from that point on, even no matter how much I mess up, He still looks at me and says, you are still justified, not by your works, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'm forever justified. My purity, this is almost like, this is almost what you call, when you say something hectic, but it sounds controversial. There we go. It's almost controversial. My purity does not affect my justification. It does not affect my righteousness. My purity is governed by sanctification. And so what sanctification is, sanctification is the process, it's the outworking 
of holiness in my life. And so that's, that's the thing that God uses. That's the process that God uses to change the heart of man. We are made righteous. We are justified before Him. And so from that moment of being born again, God begins to work in me. And He begins to change me. He begins to mould me through this process of sanctification where He begins to change my heart. If you think of gold, right? The gold that they take out of a rock doesn't look like the gold on your finger, right? It has to go certain, goes to go through certain processes. It has to go through certain chemicals and it's like they put this chemical on and the impurities rise and they skim it off and they put it in another chemical and the impurities rise until they get the pure, pure, pure gold. Because that rock in itself, there's gold in there, there's copper and there's all sorts of things in there. But the pure gold has to be refined. It has to be tested. It has to be processed for it to come out. And so it is with our lives that God calls us, you know, the Bible even says He calls us out of the mire. He calls us from the, from the pit and He transforms us into the image of Christ. He transforms us into the gold jewels that He wants us to be. And so it's a process that we go through and this process is called sanctification. I want to look at two scriptures. The first one is in John chapter 17, verse 17. Actually, Let's go here first. Psalm 119, verse 9. So we're talking about being made, or rather our hearts being transformed. Our hearts being guarded into this place of purity. And in Psalm 119, verse 9, it says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? And it says this, by guarding it according to your word. I'll read again. How can a young man, you can put women in there too, Keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. The second scripture is in John chapter 17, verse 17. Again, another one we know very well. And it says this, talking about sanctification, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I'll read again. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so just like gold would have these agents, uh, we would call them agents, chemicals or processes to refine the gold, to bring it to the place of purity, our defining or our refining agent in this process of sanctification is the Word of God. It's the truth that God speaks over our lives. And so as I give myself to truth, my heart becomes purer, and purer and purer and purer before Him. And I can stand in the holy place. I can see Him as He is. But if I'm not giving myself to truth, I'm not being refined. I'm not undergoing. It's just crazy because you can resist sanctification. You can get born again and in 20 years time still look and act like you did on the very day that you got saved. God will never, He will never force Himself on you. He will pursue you. The Holy Spirit will remind you, the Word will convict you. But He can never put His, He can never, He can never make you change. You have to be willing. And that comes from a place of love, really. It's where I love Him so much that I want to honour Him in my life. 
and that whatever He wants, and that's what, that's what we did tonight. It's just like when you look at the sacrifice of Jesus and you, we sang those songs, majesty, we, we sang the song, worthy is the lamb. When you, when you think about that, your response is to give it all. Your response is, as He gave His life, I give my life because I love Him, because I worship Him. And it's in that place when our heart is there, that's the place where He can work. It's a heart that is, that is subjected, a heart that is in place of humility, a heart that He can mold, a heart that He can shape and, and redefine into His very own image. And He can bring forth the process of sanctification. But if my heart is hard toward Him, He will prompt. He said, Lord, what about this? He said, well, actually, Lord, You don't know what they did to me. And so my anger is justified against them. And he's like, okay, read on. I read my Bible, come back next week. He's like, Lloyd, what about this anger thing? No, Lord, you don't understand. I told you. Next week, pushes the button, pushes the button, pushes the button, until eventually I'm like, Lord, you're right. I forgive them for what they did to me. And so that's what he does. He continually pushes the buttons of our hearts to transform us and to pursue us. And so as we saw in the scripture, particularly John chapter 17, verse 17, is that he does so by the truth of the word. And so we're just gonna look at three scriptures which kind of explain this process of how the word does us. And we, you will know this very well. In Hebrews, first one is the Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and, discern, listen to this, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I love to say this, when you read the Word, the Word is reading you. I'll say when you read the Word, the Word reads you. This book is not just print on a paper. This book is very alive. The words on this page are very alive. And, and I'm sure all of you would have encounters when, you, when you're reading the Word of God, He just begins to push that button that you never even knew was there. So I'll be a bit vulnerable with you. It was probably about two weeks ago, I was sitting with Pastor Craig and he had to bring some correction to me. And so, yeah, you ever had that, Joshua? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And so, without even realizing, I was like, no, it's probably, no, it was two days. No, it was yeah, two weeks ago. So that was probably like a Tuesday. And the next day, I was like, thinking about this thing, like, why did he say that? You know, I think I'm right in what I was doing. Da, 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 da. And so, I was before in community and I was preparing for in community. And so, I have certain scriptures that I pray over the in community group. And he took me to a new scripture. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna pray this over the, new, over the in community. And he took me to John chapter 10 and, I, and I'll read it for you. And so he said, Lord, read John chapter 10, verse one. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna declare this over the in community. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And it's just like, <laughs> and he just like, the word like discerned me big time. He's like, Lord, you're stepping out of the line of authority. And when you do this, you're just like a robber. You're just like a thief. You need to submit to the correction. And I was like, yeah, hectic. <laughs> and so it's like, in, and it, 
you, if you've experienced it, it's, it's beautiful. You know, it's like, it's so sharp. It's like exactly like Hebrews say, it's sharp and piercing and discerning. But he opens it up and, you, and it, it's like you realise that you're wrong. And he brings you to that place of, re, of repentance. And so immediately, Lord, I was like, shucks, Lord, I'm being a thief here. I'm stepping out of the line of authority. He's, Pastor Craig is the one, I'm standing here because he opened the gate for me. And when I step out of that authority, I'm stepping out of line. I'm stepping, so I need to submit to correction. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. And he's like, okay, cool. In community scriptures, and we carried on. You know, it was like that thing, stepping on the threshold, points out what's wrong in your life. Okay, cool, dealt with, let's go, carry on. There we were in the hill of the Lord, you know, into the evening. So he does that, right? Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. The next thing he does in John chapter 15, verse one to three, it says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. In verse three, listen to this, this is very, very, very important. Already you are clean, that word clean there means to be pure. He says, already you are pure because of the word that I have spoken to you. And so the word purifies us. It prunes off the branches that are not of God. It prunes off and cuts off incorrect behaviours. It cuts off incorrect thoughts. It cuts off incorrect attitudes, just as it did for me. There was a branch growing in my heart that was an incorrect attitude toward Pastor Craig. And immediately what the word came down, he brought it to light and he took out his axe and he went off with that. And he chopped off that branch and he threw it in the fire. And so when I don't allow the correction of the word, you know, like my branches are like, like you, that's, it's, it's good to prune a tree. Did you know that? It's good to prune a plant. Because it grows and if you don't prune things, it just like grows and the branches are all over the place and it can't bear fruit because like now they, one, this one's climbing over the other one for the sunlight. Have you seen that? You know, so now this branch is dying and this one, these guys are going higher and this one's like there and all over the place. And the, the, the tree or the plant isn't bearing forth fruit as it could because it hasn't been pruned down to the right place or the right size or the right shape. And so the word comes, he, it points things out inside of us and it cuts them off if we allow it to. And the last one is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. It says this, husbands love your wives, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Then he says this, that he might sanctify, our word again, sanctify, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. And so each one of us tonight, hopefully, when you go home, you're gonna take a bath, you're gonna take a shower. Why? Because you've walked through your day and your body has picked up impurities, right? That's why you begin to smell, you begin to look a bit tanned, but it's not actually the sun, you know? So you've picked up stuff on your body and so we go underneath water, we put some soap on and we allow ourselves to be washed, and so it's the same in the spirit realm where we go through our day, we, we pick up impurities, right? We, we hear things we shouldn't hear. We see things like, you know, you can be in the line by spa or whatever. Spa's closed down, let's use pick and pay. So, <laughs> so you're in the line. <laughs> 
you're in a line by pick and pay, and you're just minding your own business, you've got your bread and your milk, and you look back and there's like a half-naked woman on the magazine. You're like, that's not what I wanted to see. You know, and so these, these images are in your head, and so now I come to the Lord, and, and it's, just, it's supernatural. He just begins to just wash over me. And he, and he cleanses my imagination, he cleanses my thoughts, he cleanses my soul, just all the offences of the day, the, the bitterness of the day, all that stuff, he just, it just washes away and he brings a refreshing to me. And I think I've told this, this story before. Um, I once met a young boy, you know, it's probably about 12, at, at a garage, I went to the garage to buy something in the night time and he has this guy, he had this hectic infection in his leg. So he's a homeless He's homeless out on the streets. And it's just like, he opened, he like, I was like, can I pray for you? And I was like, should I lay my hand here? And I was like looking for a spot where I can put my hand because he had literally had like holes. And it was like just festering. And it was like pus was coming out, out of his legs. And so I was like, what happened? How did you get like this? Well, because he sleeps on the streets, he like something bit him or something like that. Or he got a, no, sorry, it was a cut. He got a cut and he couldn't clean it because he doesn't have access to like our basics. He doesn't have access to shower every day. He doesn't have access to bath every day. And so this thing just festered and festered and festered because of the impurities because he couldn't wash it out. And eventually it just spread into his whole leg. And so I was like, well, what are you doing now? He says, well, I went to Addington and they said they're going to cut it off. 12 years old. And now they're cutting off his leg. Why? Because he couldn't wash. If it, like, if it was us, oh, I got a cut. Okay, take a shower, put some Dettol, sorted. Next day, fine. That's what it was. But he didn't have access to water. Didn't have access to be able to cleanse himself. And so it, it's, a, it's a good example that when we don't allow the Word to wash, things begin to fester in us. Those impurities. And so as you go into your, your December time, if you're not, you know, take your natural bath, but take your spiritual bath too, especially in December time. Because then it's just, you know, it's, the world is just going gung-ho for your attention. The world's going gung-ho for your soul and it's gonna throw seeds out. It's gonna throw things out to you. And if you're not get, getting rid of those things, they will grow inside of you. Remember Mark chapter four, the seeds that grow in the heart. And so I wanna close off with this in 2 Timothy chapter two, verse 20 to 22. It says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honourable use, some for dishonourable. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable, he will be a vessel for honourable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Then it says this verse 22, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so what we see in 2 Timothy is that there's a decision that we need to make. See, God's, He's got it all laid up right here to, to discern, to cut off, to, to wash, to, to sanctify us through His Word. But I need to step into the shower. I need to run the water in the bath and I need to get in. 
And so what Timothy is saying is like, he says, you need to make a decision. Do you want to be a vessel of honour or do you want to be a vessel of dishonour? Then he says this, now make a decision. Flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness. Which one do you want? And so my encouragement to you as we step into this December period is make a decision now. You know, often we go throughout the year and be like, Lord, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to spend with you. And here we come to holidays and we've got all the time and we still don't spend time with Him. We still don't read the Bible. You know, we still don't spend time in prayer. It's like, I'm off from work, got all this time. And it's like, but I still don't make that choice to do it. And that's when we need to be doing it more than anything else. Because like I said, we're not coming here even close to Christmas time. We don't even have evening services. Wow, one meal a week, literally. <laughs> At least before you were having one, two, three, four meals. If you're a young adult or youth. If you had Lauren's prayer meeting, that's like plus five. Nine meals, <coughs> excuse me. Nine meals a week down to one. And so if you, if you haven't already worked out a disciplined time with the Lord in the Word, you're going to be in trouble. Guaranteed. You need to get into the Word. Like I said, start now. Just make a disciplined routine, whether you're a morning person, whether you're a night person, whatever it is, you know, make time to be in the Word so that He can sanctify you and He can keep that heart pure. I, it's like, I think it's a thing in church, and, and I'm, like I said, I've seen it so many times, like January is like the, it's like, where's the fire? You know, we start our like, revival night, everyone's like, <laughs> you know, we have to like warm them up, you know, crank the, the, the by March, everyone's like back in the zone, you know, like, yeah, I love Jesus, but like come January, it's like we're dragging people through the church. This is real. You know, it's like we see it. You can discern it in the atmosphere. January is just like flat. There's no hunger. Like now, end of the year, we're all like, ah! Because we've been like primed up the whole year. Don't lose that. Keep the fire burning. It's your responsibility to do that. There's no one here to spoon feed you during December. You have to feed yourself. You have to keep the fire burning. I mean, so I want you to do that, right? Keep the fire burning.